Father, we're just so grateful and thankful to meet here this morning in the name of Jesus. And Father, in that name, Father, we have access to your throne and all that's been provided for us. And Father, we invoke that name over every heart, every life, every situation. And Father, we say, be magnified, be glorified. Father, your words be said, your deeds be done, your glory be made manifest. And Lord, we pray this prayer continually. Lord, help us get this job done. Even so, Lord Jesus, we bid thee come. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. And welcome to the Fredonia edition of Family Church. And we just want to greet each and every one of you. You're special, you're precious, we're glad that you're here. We also want to welcome all those watching via live stream all over the world. And we want to encourage you, whatever we're doing, you do. For worshiping, go ahead and worship. For opening up in our Bibles, open up our Bibles. We're giving, you give. We're praying, you're pray, you pray and uh, you'll enjoy much more out of the service. Praise the Lord. Well, without any further ado, if the kids have not been dismissed yet, uh, go ahead and you may go to your program downstairs. And the rest of us can open your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Give you a moment to turn there. Last week, I shared about the coming of the Lord. You can go ahead and start my clock back there. Um, I shared about the coming of the Lord, and I really thought I was going to continue along that line uh, because there's so much I want to share. As you know, it's part of my commission to get people ready for the coming of the Lord and something I... Uh, something that burns very much, very much in, in my heart. But however, I mean, you know, we're open up to the Holy Ghost. Uh, just yesterday morning, Saturday morning, my wife and I were praying over certain individuals, praying for people, praying for situations, and the Spirit of God said something to me. And I want to say it to you. He said this, worries and cares, worries and cares, worries and cares open the door to oppression and to the enemy. And so, um, so I took that as my marching orders, you know, worries and cares. Now I know you're all well taught and um, you never have to worry. You never have to have care. You never, you, you're never tempted to worry about any situation. You never have cares, anxieties. And, uh, and so maybe this message is for someone you can help. But uh, truth be told, this is something we all have to deal with. No matter how long you've been in the faith, no matter how long uh, you've been walking with the Lord, and no matter how strong you are in the Lord, sometime or another, you will be tempted to worry, to be concerned, and uh, even to be afraid. And it's important that we learn to deal with worries and cares. Because a lot of, a lot of people have this idea, well, worries and cares are just a part of life and everyone has them. Well, that's true if you're not a Christian. That's true if you're outside the, the, the Word of God. But the Bible tells us very emphatically that uh, worries and cares should not be in our life. And uh, as the Spirit of God said, that it opens the door to the enemy. Ephesians 4.27 says, Neither give place to the devil. 
And so uh, we, we know that there is a devil. The Bible teaches about the devil. And it says to give no place. That means he cannot have a place unless we give him place. And one way we give him place or give him opportunities is through worry, through cares, through anxieties. And uh, the truth be told, when you're worried about something, when you're anxious about something, when you're concerned about something, that is an expression of fear. And the Bible is very clear that fear has torment. You know, I don't think anybody loves to be worried. I don't think anybody enjoys being concerned, anxious, and troubled. And it brings a torment into our life. And God doesn't want us to, to have any of those torments, any of those worries. And it, it's, it's so important that we learn to deal with them. It's not a light thing. As we, we saw that fear, worry, concern opens the door to the enemy. And we have a, a great example of this happening in the life of Job. Many people, you know, uh, don't understand the book of Job, but the book of Job really unveils how Satan gets entrance into a person's life. Um, something very interesting, and this is a promise that I like to quote. Uh, go ahead and put it on the overhead screen, Job 1.10. And th these are the words of Satan himself concerning Job, and it's true concerning all of us. Has thou not made a hedge or a wall of protection about him and about his house, about all that he has on every side? And thou hast blessed the works of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. How many like that promise? This is Satan's own testimony concerning Job. Evidently, Satan sought entrance into Job's life. The Bible says Satan goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And so here Satan is a lion seeking to devour Job, walked around that hedge continually. Now, who set up that hedge? God did. Because Job was a covenant man, there's a hedge about us, a wall of protection. Satan cannot gain entrance unless we give him entrance. You know, that's why it says, give no place to the devil. And so no doubt Satan walked around that hedge. You know, probably wore down a spiritual path. You know, you ever been in the woods or maybe even walking dog, they walk on the same path. It is worn down, becomes wayside. And Satan sought opportunity against Job. And when God said, hey, look at Job, look, look what Job's doing. He says, yeah, yeah, I, I tried to get him, but you put a hedge about him. You, everything, I can't get any entrance into Job's life and you're blessing him. There's no way I can touch him. Well, we know in the book of Job, Satan was allowed to touch him. Satan came, like the New Testament said, came to steal, kill, and destroy. What caused the entrance? What caused Satan have a place in Job's life? Well, that's why we have the book of Job. It is very, very clear. In Job 3.25, on the overhead screen, Job gives this testimony. For the thing which I greatly feared is a come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. And that is a spiritual law, brothers and sisters. What we worry about, what we're concerned about, what we're fretting about, 
uh, the things that trouble us, uh, it's not a light thing. Just to say it's a part of life and we all have to deal with it. No, when we worry, when we're afraid, when we're anxious about something, that opens the door to the enemy in our life. And it leads to oppression, leads to a whole lot of other things. And so I, I want to talk about being carefree. I want to talk about being worried free. I believe this is something that God wants all of us, all of us to walk in and to be protected and blessed. And so I said all that to give you time to find First Peter chapter 5. And um, we're going to look at one verse here. I'm reading out of the King James Bible. First Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. And it says this, casting all of your care upon him, for he careth for you. So here the Bible tells us to cast our cares upon the Lord. Now, what are cares? Well, cares are anything that trouble us. Anything that causes anxiety, causes worries, causes up to be upset. I like the Amplified Bible. It says, casting the whole of your care, all of your anxieties. Anything that makes you anxious, all of your concerns, once and all for, on Him, for He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. Notice it says, anything that troubles you, anything that causes you to concern. You're to cast it upon him. And so we, 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 have, we have the battle of the ages. We have Satan trying to make you anxious, worried, and concerned. And if he can get you worried and concerned, he can reap havoc in your life. He can get entrance into your mind, your body, and, and cause a lot of trouble. But here, God says, when those cares, fears, and worries come, uh, you're not to embrace them, you're not to meditate on them, you're not to, to uh, fellowship with them. You're to take those cares, those worries, and anxieties. I love it. Uh, yet, cast it upon the Lord. N not, not just hand them over with a tight grip, you're to cast it on the Lord. That means you're not to let it touch you. You're not to treat it lightly. And really, the truth be told, to be afraid, to be worried, to be anxious, to be concerned, really, if we come down to it, is sin. It is a sin to worry, to be afraid. Why? The Bible says, fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed. You know what dismayed means? Be overcome by, what am I going to do? Oh my God, how am I going to handle this? For I am with thee. And so, um, we are commanded not to be afraid. We're commanded not to worry. And here, the Bible tells us how to live worry-free. How to be anxiety-free. How to give no place to the enemy. How? By casting our care upon the Lord. And so, now, why can we cast our care? If there's something that we're concerned about, maybe it's finances, maybe it's a physical need, a, a family situation, or uh, things going on in, in the world, why can we cast that on the Lord? How, how can we know for sure that He will take care of the situation for us? Well, I, I like, again, I like the, the Amplified Bible, casting the whole, the whole thing of your care. 
And I love that. All your anxieties, all your worries, all your, anything that troubles you. And I like that once and for all. That means not a second. Don't, don't even let it touch you. You know, don't even let it come near you. Just, you, you cast it. You, you, you sanitize your mind with that thing. And just, ooh. On him, why we can do that? He cares for you affectionately. And cares about you watchfully. And so, God cares about you. And that, that's something we all need to, to get a revelation of the love and care of God. Because so many times we, we see God as way up there and we're down here, we're going through stuff and, and, and you know, I'm all alone and I'm dealing with this and oh, I, I don't want to bother God with this or God don't know who I am. I'm just a lowly Christian not doing nothing. No, it says He cares about you affectionately cares about you watchfully, that you're your, his son, you're his daughter, you know, just like we natural parents love our kids and do anything for kids. It, the Bible says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? God is a God of how much more? And I like that. He cares about you watchfully. You don't need to gain, gain God's attention and say, God, God, beller and howler. He, he is watching you over all the time. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. He is, he is looking for an opportunity. He, he, is, he loves you. And you know, he wants to take care of your problems even more than you want your problems being taken care of. And so you can cast it knowing that he will take care care of you. And I have some other translations. You know, you know we, we can be blessed by the King James, he cares for you, but very often other translations help us. Uh, the truth translation says this, it says, because he is so concerned about you, he wants you to lay all of your problems, all of your troubles, and all of your anxieties on him. And I like that. He is so concerned. And that's a good confession to have, that God is concerned about me. God's concerned about anything that I face, anything I'm going through. God is concerned. Uh, the Living Bible says this, let him have all of your worries and cares. He is always thinking about you and is watching everything that concerns you. And so he, he's already there. He's, he's watching. He, he's up there and says, son, daughter, let me take care of that for you. Give that to me. I'll take care of it. Um, I'm qualified. You're not. And, and I want to. Allow me. Allow me to do this for you. See, that's the attitude of God. And again, we're seeing why we can trust him to undertake for us. Uh, the Phillips translation says, you can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon him, for you are his personal concern. I like that. I am Father's personal concern. You know, we're concerned about our finances. We want everything to be right. God says, you're my personal concern. I want your finances to be right. I want your health to be right. I want your family situation turned around. You are my concern. I know you're concerned about all these, but my sole concern is you and your well-being, your peace, your joy, your tranquility. That's the Father we serve. 
And the last one, and I, I like this in other versions, are very similar. Uh, it says, casting every worry of yours unto him, because it matters to him about you. I know that just rings a note in my heart. I like saying that. It matters to him. You ever have a situation come up and it matters to you? Yeah. Financially, physically, family, you know, it matters to you. It's important to you. And, and, and God says, if it's important to you, it's important to me. I take personal interest in that. And so we are to cast every worry, every concern, every anxiety upon him. And he'll take care of him. He'll take care of us. And it's, it's only when you give your cares to the Lord that he can take care of them. And see, that's why it says to cast them. Cast them means you have to let go. Now, I would love to do this this morning. <laughs> yeah. This is my care and my worry. How I many know oh, it's heavy, it's, it's burdensome. You know, it's very interesting. It does not say to hand them to the Lord. Yes. No. You know what it says. Are you ready? <laughs> this would be a good youth group thing, wouldn't it? He says to yeah, <laughs> cast them. And why does it say cast them? I'm sorry for whoever does that. I know it's going to bother 6% of you the whole service. <laughs> why does it say cast them? Because in casting, you have to let go of them. You can't hold on when you cast. When you hand, you know, it, when you hand it, when you hand it, your hands are still on it. Casting is, you know, someone, someone ought to write a song, let it go, let it go. Yeah, someone needs to write a song about that. I'll do my, oh yeah, this, this is going to bother some of you, I'm sorry. This, cast your care about that on the Lord. <laughs> Now, how do we still hold on to it? Well, if we're still thinking about it, we're holding on to it. You know, I love some pastor Nancy Dufresne says, if you're thinking about it, you're worrying about it. And that's always been a general rule of thumb. If I am thinking about the situation... If it's, I'm entertaining in my thought life, I am worried about it, and I've not officially given it to the Lord. Many years ago, I was teaching along this line, and how many know it's something we need to be reminded of over and over and over again? We used to have an old dear saint, Nina Lucci. Now, I'm sure that Nina is in heaven by now, but who knows? I'm sure she lived to be a centurion. You know, I think she was 95 or something when she left us to go move to Texas to be with her son. And, and she, she was in good health. And she's a very, very sweet saint of God. And I remember teaching along this line and she came up 
to me after the service, after I was teaching about casting your cares upon the Lord and leaving them there. And, you know, she was, when you're 95, you can say anything you want and get away with it. That's a rule of thumb. When, you, when you're that old, it, it doesn't matter what they say. Yeah, we, we, no, I can't even say that. We have someone in one of the family churches has this little weird doctrine about the coming of the Lord, how the, the tribulation started, but he's almost 100 years old. You, you just smile and let him talk, you know. And so, Nine Lucia is 95 years old. He comes up and he says, Pastor, Pastor, I have casted my care on the Lord, but he keeps giving them back to me. <laughs> you know, of course, you just smile real big. Well, wh- what is she saying? Well, well she, she cast it on the Lord, but she kept taking them back by thinking about the situation. And so, the Lord doesn't give them back to us. And it's only once we cast it and leave it there that He begins to work in our behalf. And so, I want to talk about how to do that. How, in a very simple and practical way, what does the Bible say of how to cast my care upon the Lord? Because I, I don't want to endure an entrance to the enemy. You know, and, and fear and worry brings torment. First of all, I don't like fear and torment. I don't like to be uneasy about anything. I like peace. I, I love joy. I love, I love contentment. And, you know, number one, when, when I cast on the Lord, I, I love to be at peace. But another thing is when, when I am free from anxieties and worries, that shuts the door of the enemy. As long as I'm fretting, worrying, and concerned, that door is wide open. And you know this, that no matter amount of prayer can close that door. You can have a million and a half people pray for you. You know, it, it, you know it, it, unfortunately, winter is coming. And uh, it does get cold in western New York. And, uh, you know, you have a thermometer that, you know, and again, this, whatever you set your thermometer to. In my office, I set it at 75 degrees. When I go in a hotel by myself, it's at 76 degrees. And so, but I know some of you can't, can't handle that. But whatever is comfortable for you, you set that thermometer. But you know, if you have the doors and windows open, it doesn't matter how high you crank that thermometer. It's not going to warm your house. And uh, you, you don't need another, you don't need uh, to hire the ther- thermometer. You don't need another uh, furnace. What you need to do is close the doors, close the windows. And it's the same thing in our life, that this is imperative. This is important that we, we shut every opportunity, because he goes about roaring, uh, uh, seeking whom he may devour, Satan does. And the way he gets in the door, in the window, and causes trouble is through fear, worries, and concerns. And so, we want to, for our own well-being, because we want to enjoy our life, but also we want to shut up shut out any opportunity of the enemy to come in. So turn with me to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. And we're going to look at just a practical way. How do I cast my care upon the Lord? Philippians 4, 6. 
And it says this, Philippians 4, 6, I'm reading out of King James Bible. It says, be careful for nothing. That's the word care again. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. And go ahead and put verse 9 up there as well. Go ahead and put... And those things which you both learned and received and heard and seen me do. And what? The God of peace shall be with you. What's that saying? That you'll walk in peace. You'll have peace. And I tell you, as I'm maturing, I'm not saying I'm growing older. I, I, I have like 50 years before I get old. Amen. And so, um, you know, I, I truly, I'm believing to be like Joshua and Caleb. When I'm 85, I'll be going in and out like a 40-year-old. Well, I don't believe that. Well, you won't have that. I do. Glory to God. Amen. And so, um, now I, I just got off of that. Now I have to get back on, on track here. And so, let's, the God of peace shall be with you. That means you will enjoy peace. You'll walk in peace. You'll, you'll have peace all the days of your life. And so here, it tells us, it tells us how to walk in peace, or we can say this way, how to be carefree. And so it starts off, uh, you know, be careful for nothing. What are cares? Again, worries, anxieties, fears. Now, To what extent are we to be afraid? What extent are we to be worried or concerned? To what extent should we let anything trouble us? Well, here it says, be careful for nothing. Be worried for nothing. Be concerned for nothing. Be worked up and upset for what? Nothing. You know, I looked that word nothing up in the Greek. You know what it means? Nothing. And so here it says there's absolutely nothing that you're allowed to be worried about. Now, I, I don't mean to be cruel. I don't mean to be hard or harsh, but that is the standard the Lord Jesus Christ expects us to live by. Nothing. You know, um, if you're a parent, sometimes you have very concerns about your children. Does that give you a right to be worried, to be afraid and concerned? Nothing. What about your finances? They're, they're, they're ready to take your house away. You can't make your, pay, your, your payments. According to the word, Jesus, be careful for nothing. Now, that seems very extreme. Well, let's, let's look at Jesus. 
Remember, Jesus told the disciples, let us go to the other side of the lake, other side of the ocean. And uh, Jesus went to sleep. And we know the story. A big storm came. And it, it was such a force of a storm that the fishermen were scared for their lives. Now, you have to understand, those fishermen have seen many storms. They've weathered many storms. They knew how to navigate a boat through the storm, and they knew how to swim. But evidently, this storm was of such magnitude, they feared for their lives. And how many know when you're close to death, ah, you get afraid, you get worried, you get concerned, you get worked up. And of course, they wake Jesus up, Master, don't you care? We're dying here. And you know the words of Jesus. Oh my God. I'm so glad you woke me up. It is really bad. Oh, oh, you have, a, you have full rights to be afraid. If, if I wasn't in this boat and you didn't wake me up, you're going to die. And, and you better be afraid of that. No. He said, peace be still. And he turned to the disciples and said, Why? Are you afraid? When facing death, in the very face of death, Jesus truly expects us, we, we can live troubled free. He expected his disciples. Well, while those are apostles, let's, let's give you another illustration. Remember Jairus' daughter. You know, Jesus wanted to uh, Jairus went to Jesus, my daughter's at the point of death. Come lay your hand on her and she'll be healed. Well, it was a little walk to Jairus' house. And, and of course, Jesus was never in a rush, never in a hurry. I'm sure Jairus is, come on, Jesus, come on, Jesus. Jesus is just walking. Never. You know, that's, that's what faith does. Faith is never in a hurry. Now, oh, I got to be there. You know, I got you know, to take this in control. Ah. <sighs> Jesus was asleep on pillow. And so Jesus walking, and, and a woman with an issue of blood come and touch them, this garment, and Jesus stops and has a testimony service. And you know what it said in the King James Bible? You know, it said that Jesus said, someone touch me. And disciples said, no one's, everyone's touching you. What are you talking about? No, I, I felt virtue come out of it. And the woman fearing and traveling fell down before him. And you know what the King James Bible said? And told them all the truth. And you know how women are? A woman would just never said, That's me, I'm healed, thank you. No, it started when I was six years old. And all the details. And, and then, then I came and they told me to stop and I pressed in. And, you know, and I came and I weaved in between and I touched and I felt euphoric. I felt the sensation and going on and on and on. All the truth. And Jairus says, O-M-G. Come, my daughter's dying. And Jesus, anxious for nothing, word for nothing, never in a hurry. The Bible says, he that believeth will not make haste. And that's another thing, you know, if you're, you're not, not in faith. Well, as 
the woman is telling all the truth. And if it's like normal women, about three or four times over and over again. That didn't go over very well, but all your husband said. (laughs) Yes. News comes. Trouble not the master. Your daughter is dead. Parents, how would that make you feel? The, the emotions, the grief, the anxieties, the fear that naturally we would... I mean, you see some people with their animals. Oh my God. But you're, you're only child imagine you know being worked up and anxious all of a sudden she's dead but notice what Jesus said as soon as he heard that he pointed to Jairus be not afraid only believe even in the face of a loved one dying not moved, not concerned. Why? Because if he worried, he fret, he, he, he overcome by that, Jesus couldn't work in that situation. So the reason I bring this out, be careful for nothing. Isn't that amazing? God doesn't want us to be concerned in one translation, don't be concerned about a single thing. Careful, troubled, anxious, worried, worked up for nothing. And I gave those extremes. You know, I always use this illustration. You know, when Jesus rebuked disciples, we looked at them, disciples, what's wrong with you? You got Jesus in the boat. But this would be our illustration. We're up in an airplane, 30,000 feet, and all of a sudden, we hear a boom, and smoke starts filling up the cabin of the airplane that you're flying. And your captain comes on, oh my God, we're going to die. How would you respond? Well, outside the word, outside the Lord, oh my God, you'd be panicking, of course. You'd be like the disciples. But there's a higher life that Jesus wants us to be careful for nothing. And you know, if that ever happened, life and death would be in power of how you respond to it. If you, ah, 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 well, you get to go to heaven. But if you sit there, I will not be afraid. The Lord upholds me. If God be for me, who can against me? I'm not fear if there's 10,000 people. Yea, though I walk through the valley shadow of death, I will fear no evil. My God will protect me. And you maintain that position of peace. Then you allow God to work in your situation. I remember Norval Hayes telling this story where he was in a plane. And it was spiring out of control. 
You know, it's many years ago, so the detail, and you know, naturally you'd be, and, and he just began to praise and thank God and declared his victory. And just before that plane hit, hit the ground, it was over ocean, it straightened out and flew away. Yeah. Be careful for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And really what we do and how we channel fears and worries determines what door is open in our life. The Spirit of God says worries and uh, cares opens the door up to the enemy. It opens the door for, for all that Satan would want to bring in our lives. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But bless God if we cast that, we deflect that and said, no, I'm not going to touch that. It opens up the door of peace, joy. And uh, Jesus was able to take care of the situation on that lake because he was at peace, untroubled, unworked up. He was able, Jesus was able to work in Jairus' situation, turn that thing around because he told him, do not be afraid. Believe only. Shut the door on fear and worry. Allow faith and trust in me to come in. And he turned things around. So these things are important. Really, what we do about this really determines for faith or not. Whether God can move. Philippians 1.28. Philippians 1.28. It says in nothing... Notice the Bible, be careful for nothing, in nothing be terrified by your adversaries. Terrified means to be troubled, to be dismayed, to be worked up. Your adversaries can be demons, it could be situations, it can be circumstances, anything to think. How about we could say this, be not worried by your circumstances. Now notice this. Notice what it says. This is a powerful, powerful truth. When I'm not worried, worked up, anxious, careful about anything. Notice what it says. Which is to them an evident token of perdition. But to you salvation and that of God. Again, we see the the two doors. We're worried, we're anxious, it opens up the door to, to Satan reaping havoc. But when circumstance comes, when adversity comes, and you're not moved, you're not terrified, you're not afraid, you're not worked up, he says that is the mark that your circumstance is going down and God is having situation to turn it around. But notice, you control which way the pendulum swings. You can, tr- how? By being careful for nothing. Terrified for nothing. Worked up about nothing. Well, you don't understand what I'm going through. I, I don't. But the word says nothing. And again, careful for nothing. Jairus, your, your daughter is dead. Don't be worked up about that. You're, 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 you're going to die in a boat. Don't be worked up. About that and here terrified by nothing worked up about nothing you know Job later learned at destruction and famine 
thou shall laugh. Didn't say cry. Didn't say overcome. Oh my God, it's so rough and so tough. See, when you go down that route, Satan comes in and causes havoc, oppression, and, and you, you're overcome and you go from bad to worse. But man, when you shut that door and just say, I'm at time of my life. You know, destruction famine? <laughs> you know, there, there ought to be a scene in some movie. Yeah. See, the Bible says he always causes a triumph. God guarantees us complete victory in any, every situation, but we have to choose peace. We have to choose to be careful for nothing, not be terrified. And so God wants you to have peace and joy before the storm, during the storm, and after the storm. And, and really, folks shouldn't be able to tell whether you're going through a storm or not because you're just full of peace and joy all the time. All the time. Well, that's just too rough. No, that's, that's the standard God expects. And see, if you excuse yourself from that standard, you'll never enjoy that standard. Never excuse yourself from the Word, no matter what the situation is. All right? So, my, I'm, that's my introduction, and I'm closing. We'll have to pick this up next week. Be careful for nothing. Trouble for nothing. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you what we're to do. Because how many have ever said, yeah, that's what I'm trying to do, but I can't seem to be, get that thing off of me. Have you been, ever been there? I can't seem to shake it off. I know I shouldn't, and we tried to outthink it, tried to out, outlast it. But God tells us exactly what to do, how to deflect carries, worries, anxieties. Exactly how to cast them on the Lord and not to carry them. We're not to carry, we're to cast. In verse 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So when a care comes, all right, we'll just... Now, I better not use the pumpkin. I got your minds off of it. Now you're thinking about it again. Uh, a care comes. Trouble comes. Anxiety, fears, and worries. We have two choices. We can carry them by thinking about them. It, it opens the door to the adversary. And he can rob, steal, and kill, and destroy, and, and cause a whole lot of havoc. Or we can, as it comes, we cast that on the Lord. How do we cast? Well, it tells us. When, when it comes down the pike, but in everything. Notice, careful for nothing, trouble for nothing, anxious for nothing. Then when everything that comes, by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. He gives us three steps when we're tempted to be afraid. Anxious and careful. Number one, it's just prayer. Well, yeah, I prayed and prayed, but it, 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 it doesn't just say prayer. It says prayer, one. Supplication, two. Thanksgiving, three. It, it's a three-step process. Because you can go down praying. I know people that pray, 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 and they go down. Just praying is not a substitute of doing the Word and keeping your mind on the Lord. You know, what is prayer? Prayer in the simplest form is to talk to God. When trouble comes, 
your first thing you should do is talk to God about it. You know what a lot of people do? They call people and talk to people. They Google it. They look these things up. They, 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 they research. They study. They, they looked at everything else and everyone else. I like what David said. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Our first response is, I mean, we, we feel overwhelmed about what has just happened. The first thing we should, you know, in this care, this weight and anxiety is on us and it's overcoming and we're going down. And we say, Father, in the name of Jesus, you see what's going on and I don't like it. If I don't like it, you don't like it. And Lord, I wish this wasn't happening, but it is. But Father, I acknowledge you right now. I acknowledge you as the source of my life. I acknowledge you as my peace, my joy, my strength, my help. You're the pr- very present help in the face of trouble. And, and, and I, I begin to get my focus on God. I begin to talk to God about it. Right there, that, that care and worry, it's still there. But it isn't on top of you. You know, it, it's almost like, you know, these, these Jedis with their force fields. You know how they, the, the, you know, they're going against the forces of each other. And so, you're the Jedi. And what you do is when you begin to acknowledge God, it's still there. It's still resisting you. But you're talking to God about it. But didn't just say talk to God about it. The second thing says supplication. Most translations says petition. You know what, what? That simply means ask God to do something about it. And again, we'll go further. I got to close. But I want to at least give this step. Because I, I can't lead you to the point and not give you something to do. And it says God... Your word says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You said I'm the head and not tail. I'll lend and not borrow. You said you'll supply all my need. You said that you are the Lord that healeth me. That as the days are, so is my strength. You are to say, for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. And Father, according to your word, in the name of Jesus, you watch over your word. That I cast that on you. And so here with your force field, that the oppression, you go, mm, you lift it up. Now some of you older folks, you don't know what I'm talking about. But with that force of your faith, you have it, you have it in the air dangling. It's still resisting you. I cast that on the Lord. It's still there. But it's further away from you. And so you have not because you ask not. Just talking to God, God can't do anything about it. It'll help you emotionally and and mentally. But you ask God according to His Word. You said in your Word. And God watches over His Word. But how many know after you cast it, it's going to want to start coming back? You know, just like a good battery, you, you throw something, you throw them with the force. They don't say, oh, God, I guess I lost this battle. I'm going home. No, they'd become right after. That brings to the third step with thanksgiving. Here you deflected that. 
You begin to thank and praise God. It comes and says, you're going down. What are you going to do? What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about that? You begin to say, oh, I gave that to Jesus. Oh, oh, Mr. Devil, if you're concerned about how this is going to turn, I gave you to Jesus. Why don't you go ask Jesus? Oh, I forgot. You're not on talking terms. Oh, I forgot. He, he stripped you and, and humiliated you. And I was in him. And, and guess what, devil? You think I have problems this life. Even if I do check out, I go to heaven. Where are you going when this all ends? Oh, yeah, the lake of fire. You're going to burn. You're going to churn. And you're going to stink of smelly stench for all of eternity in torment while I am enjoying the presence of God. That which you tried to take by force, He freely gave me. And you think I have problems. You have problems. And I pr- and begin to praise. And every time He says, no, you're going to, oh, Father, thank you. I praise you. I praise you. I bless you. I praise you. You're so good to me. And, and He's trying to touch you and you just begin to praise God. Praise and thanking God reinforces the hedge that's about you. If you'll learn to do this, you'll never be troubled again. Very simple steps. It's in the Word. But you know what some people do? They're troubled and anxious. And they don't want to go this up. They want people to pray for them. They, 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 they want to do everything else but the Word. The Word works. This works. If you give your cares to the Lord and begin to thank God and refuse thoughts of worry and anxieties, what does the Word say will be ours? Well, it says this. Go ahead in verse 9. Philippians 4 and verse 9. Those things which you both learned and seen and heard in me, and the God of peace shall be with you. And verse 6, go ahead and put verse 6 up there. Be careful for nothing, but everything by prayer, then supplication ask, thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. Verse 7. And the peace of God that passes all understanding shall keep or guard your hearts and mind through Christ Jesus. I think the Amplified says the peace of God will be like a garrison of soldiers. You know what that is? That's a force shield. When you do these things and you, you, you give it to the Lord and you thank and praise Him and you trust Him and every time the thought comes think, God's got that. Father, I thank you. You got it. I, you got it. I, you're taking care of it. I don't have it. The peace of God's mind. And all of a sudden, boom. There, there is, to keep that scripture up. And the peace of God pass on shall keep, guard your hearts and minds. That's a force shield. You know, Star Wars fans, the shields are up. It's impenetrable. That's you. Satan goes as their own mind. The shield. How? Can't get in. The peace of God keeps us. Be careful for nothing. So we're going to have to pick this up next week. That was just my introduction. 
God wants us to have peace, but worries, fears, and concerns opens the door to the enemy. We have to shut that door and allow God to take care of the situation and turn around through our peace, through our joy, through our thanksgiving. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your grace, your goodness, and your mercy. Lord, I've endeavored to, to communicate what I believe you, you shared. Father, I know the Spirit of God said worries and cares. And Father, there are many that are in the, in, in the body of Christ today are full of worries, concerns, anxieties. And Father, I hear, I hear that, Lord. They're, they're looking to you. They're asking you to take care of it. But Father, they, they need to do what your Word says. It's when we're doers of the Word, we're blessed. And Father, as we just started talking about how to do that, and we'll continue to look at that, Father, I just, I just trust you that all of us will have light and revelation. And Father, these things will be turned around in our lives that we'll live worry and carefree in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed, Christians in an attitude of prayer. I know that uh, we live in a day that uh, a lot of folks no longer go to church. They believe they can be a Christian staying home. I believe with all my heart, the Bible says the last days about seducing spirits and doctrines of devils that uh, have convinced people to, that church is not important anymore. So we're, we're talking to people that have come out to church that do love the Lord. But we just want to make sure that everyone is born again. Everyone is walking with the Lord. And so real quick, with heads bowed and eyes closed, is there anybody here, you've never been born again? That means you never made Jesus Lord of your life. You may be a church member. You may be a good moral person. But Jesus didn't say you must be a good moral person to get in the kingdom of God. Jesus said you have to be born again. What is being born again? Well, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. If we sin once, that sin will keep us out of heaven. And that's why we needed Jesus. That's why His blood needed to be shed. That only the blood of God can save us. And when we accept Jesus, our Lord and Savior, not only does it wash away our sins, that, uh, and we, 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 when we accept Jesus, we become a spiritual son and daughter of God. Just as a physical birth is a real thing, spiritual birth is a real thing. We become children of God when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And when you're born again, you know it. You just know it. A change happens in your life. And if you're here and you don't know it, or you're listening, you don't know it, we're going to give an opportunity to know it. So real quick, if you don't know the Lord and want to know Him, want to be born again, or you are what we call backslidden, and you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, I'm going to invite you to raise your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. This is between you and God. Once you raise your hand, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to, I just want to acknowledge who we're praying for. And it's just showing God that I want this in my life. Again, we're not going to embarrass anybody. We've all been there. I see that hand. God bless you. You can put down there anybody else. Now, how do you know you need to do this? In your heart, in your spirit area, which is your conscience, that you, you, you just sense, man, I need this. That's God knocking at the door of your heart. That's how real God is. You know, when you, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you're not accepting religion. You're entering into a relationship with God. It's a real thing that God gives you a personal invitation. He knocks at your door of your heart and says, Will you let me in? 
God won't force them in your life. You have to invite them in. And so real quick, is anybody else, anyone uh, in the internet watching, go ahead and raise your hand. Anybody else want to raise their hand right now? All right. And so we had a hand raised. And maybe you're here, maybe you should have raised hand and you didn't, or you're watching and and your hands are raised. The Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what we're going to do is, I'm going to lead you in a very simple prayer. And you can say this prayer verbatim or make make your own prayer similar to this. But the most important thing is let your heart agree with it. And so let's pray with with those that raised their hand. Uh, Let's pray this. Dear God, I believe that Jesus is your son. He died for me and rose again from the dead so I can be saved. This morning, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father. I'm now your child, and my life will never, ever be the same again after this day. In Jesus' name. And so if you you prayed that prayer, know, know that God has heard you and that your life has been changed and your your, your name is written in heaven and God has so much for you. And so if you, especially if you're on the internet and you've made that decision, go ahead and contact us. We want to help you get started on your new life in God. And so at this time, we're going to invite you to stand. We're going to end this, this service with worship unto God and to give thanks for all that he's done for us today. Go ahead. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. You're so good, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, the Oh, 
you. We thank you that you want joy, victory, peace all the days of our life. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. And Father, as these go, we bless them and they're fruitful and they prosper and they live in peace in Jesus' name. Amen. We certainly love you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Don't forget we have midweek service 6.30 on Tuesday. And of course, we'll be continuing about being carefree, worry-free, casting care on the Lord next week, unless the Lord alters it. So uh, we love you. You're dismissed.